This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, I'm Roberta Plevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real-life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates as we debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, frauds, scams, and multi-level marketing. Join us for a month of holiday magic with the stories and guests that you've been asking for. Happy holidays, Huns. Hey, Hunbots and Hunbros. We are finally here. It is the last episode of 2023. We started the year on January 1st. It just so happened to land that way. And here we are finishing it off on December 31st. An entire year of Life After MLM in the books. Season 3 is done. And we are moving on to season four in 2024, and I cannot be more excited about what's in store. I wasn't really sure how to end the season, and um, on the suggestion of Russ Nielsen in the comment section of Instagram, he asked me, are you going to do a best of 2023? And I hadn't really thought about it because it seemed like such a big daunting task. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's easier to just produce a whole new episode. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm really proud of this season. I'm proud of my growth. I'm proud of the show's growth. I'm proud of all of the new skills and tips and tricks that I learned this year on how to make audio sound better. I'm still working on a few things. I'm not a professional audio editor, but I am getting better at it. Uh, And then even listening to these clips and pulling things up and listening to my editing style at the beginning of the year and my editing style now, for me, I've just seen so much growth in myself that it was really cool to do this clip show. So I think moving forward, we will do a best of at the end of the year for all the seasons going forward, just because I think it's really cool. And it was kind of a good reminder for me that the show is growing, that our skills are getting better, that the episodes are getting better, the stories are getting, everything is just getting better. And to have a best of episode really kind of puts it all into perspective. And it was really fun to do. And so I just I want to say thank you to everybody who's listening right now. You are the reason I do this. I am so unbelievably humbled by your stories, by your enthusiasm, by the messages that you send me and the emails you send me. It really, really feels like a collective show. And I'm just sort of the host, you know, and it wouldn't be this way without all of you. And so this is really just a fun episode. It is a thank you to you, the listeners, and to my team, who, again, I didn't have until this year. It's been really humbling for me to accept help, but at the same time, it shows my growth in knowing that I can't do it alone and that I am better with a team of people who help me, who keep me on track, who are following the trends and reaching out to guests and saying, hey, wouldn't this make a really fun episode? So I just, I want to say thank you to my team. 
Kayla, you are my lifesaver. You keep me on track. You make sure that all of the episodes are edited and ready for me to go through weeks and weeks and weeks in advance. It is so wonderful that we've gotten to work together and become better friends, and I just appreciate you so much. To RK, uh, I know that we haven't put out any Hunberta content recently, but I'm going to be putting you to work next year. We are going to be putting more things on YouTube, and we're going to have more Hunberta videos and just more fun video content, and that's RK's sweet spot. That's what he does, and I just I really appreciate the work that we've been able to do together, and I'm excited for the work that we're going to do next year because everybody's been asking for YouTube content, and so I will be delivering some YouTube content. And then lastly, Michelle, my triple emerald princess of robots. Seriously, you are one of my best friends. You are an incredible partner. We body double like nobody else. We get the shit done like nobody else. And the outcome of our brainstorming sessions are incredible topics, incredible interviews, and just really cool content moving forward. I really appreciate everything that you do for me. I seriously have not only the best team, but the best fans, listeners, and followers. And to you guys, thank you. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Thank you for leaving reviews. Thank you for commenting on the Instagram posts and the TikTok videos. Thank you for showing up in the comment section. Thank you for recommending episodes to your friends. Thank you for sending me those vulnerable emails and connecting with me in DMs. I absolutely love the videos you send me, the memes you send me, the things you tag me in, and the relationship that we have created over the last couple years. Seriously, I know everybody says they have great fans, but I don't know. You guys are really the cat's meow. I just, I love every single one of you and you really are the backbone of the show and you make it what it is. So this episode specifically is to every single person who has ever listened to an episode of Life After MLM and connected with something, laughed at a joke, contemplated a point, thought hard on something and did the work. And I just... This best of episode is for everybody, and I'm just so unbelievably floored that I get to do this for a living. Happy New Year, and happy 2024, Huns. Enjoy this episode, and I'll see you next year. I'm really excited to welcome you all here to the very first, and hopefully not last, episode of Life After MLM Live. So... Yeah, right? Wild. Like I said, I would never expect that there's an audience watching us. Um, But let's get into it. Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and I'm going to be your host for this evening of Clips. In our tagline on the show, we talk about cults, frauds, scams, and MLMs. And so I broke up these clips into those categories, and we're going to start off with cults. One of the things that I'm always trying to convey on the show is that MLMs are, in fact, commercial or capitalistic cults. And sometimes people can see the cult in one instance and not another. And so this year, I really wanted to focus on some of the big baddie cults like Scientology and some of the more innocuous cults like Fundamental Christianity and talk about the similarities and some of the bad stuff that maybe we don't even realize is lying under the surface. 
And so we came hard for purity culture this year, and we came hard for cults and exposing the similarities between certain cults and other cults. And when I asked on Instagram and you guys told me your favorite episodes, I got to work. And so these clips are some of my favorite moments from your favorite episodes about cults. That I'm like, this is so much bigger than me. This is so much bigger than selling people a debit card or protein shakes. Like this really hurts people. And I really wish people could see all of the implications. And, you know, that's why we make content. That's why you guys make content. You want to show people the worst of the worst. Yeah, sure. Yeah, God is great. God is good. But also God can be manipulated to the point that it is detrimental. I Yes, and I agree. I think that we, I mean, we talk about with Fundy Fridays, one of the things we say is that we see the best and worst of Christianity in our work. And I think that, I know it's probably hard to be like the best and worst of MLMs, but I mean, at well, the that, same but, time, I mean, it's people, the, their hope, their desire, the drive, gonna say. watch them. You had fun at these conferences. You made lifelong friends. Like, and when you were making money, it was awesome. Same thing, like people like the community of church. They like, you know, helping others. They like the happy yep. feelings they yep. get when they're connecting with God. And then just like an MLM, people find that and they they abuse it. They take their love of God and they spiritually abuse them. And they take that your financial situation and exploit it. And it's just... It's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's very similar. It's so similar. And I've gotten some pushback this year where people are like, I feel like you're doing a lot of episodes on Christianity. And I wish you'd get back to MLM and I get it. But for me, Christianity or even religion in general has such a strong influence within MLM, specifically because a lot of the fundamental communities, women don't work. They get married. They're literally raised and bred to be wed. And then once they're wed, they become a mother immediately. They start popping out babies and daycare is very expensive. So they have to stay home because they don't want the women to work. They want the women to be the homemaker. The husband goes and provides and the woman stays home and takes care. If you want to be a trad wife, then that's your own thing, right? But because of that, because of having to stay home and because of the cost of inflation and because one income isn't really that great, you have to scrimp and save more than you need to with one income, providing a second income that you can do from home, that you can have, oh, you don't have friends, you don't have money, you don't have cute stuff. I can solve all three of those problems with one answer. What? I've been asking God every day for a solution to my problems. And what? I run into you at the store and you are the answer to my prayers. You have all it. It is so woven together that it is a disservice to my listeners, to the people who are in these spaces, who don't already know, who don't already connect, who don't already go, this is just like this. It is a disservice to those people who are still learning. Some of us that are listening to the show right now are in a completely different chapter or a completely different book in the series. Some of us that are listening right now left MLM yesterday and don't know those things that we're talking about. Some people don't start from episode one. Some people start from the newest one and they're listening. And this is the first episode of this show that they've heard and they're connecting things and they're going, oh my God, yes. And so I know sometimes it's a little repetitive. We talk about, you know, I like to branch out, but it is so unbelievably intersected and woven together that it has to be talked about it just has to be that's what happened with us in politics yeah that was well and i mean we talk about you know similar to like in the beginning people were telling us like when it was small and jen was doing it on her own 
you know, people would be like, oh, it's been really nice. You know, this is a support during my deconstruction that Mm -hmm. was already in place. And as we got bigger, I started seeing people telling us that we were at the beginning of that deconstruction. There's this group of people that reached out to me to come to these events. And I'm like, and they want to text me all the time and they want to give me rides places. And then they've introduced me to the married people in their fellowship who will let me do laundry at their house for free. And they'll they'll cook me a home cooked meal. And the older women are telling me they love me. And my own mom doesn't tell me that she loves me. Like this must be God's people here on earth because look at how all the love oozes out that that's what they do to hook you. So that way when they start to tear you to pieces, and scrutinize everything you do, you don't see the red flags because clearly they just want what's best for me. They just love me. They just want me to be able to be righteous and holy. And you don't see like, no, they're robbing you of your autonomy and your power and your choice and your personality. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's really interesting to me that you guys were recruited eight years apart, but almost exactly the same. Like it's, it's like a cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's like that for everybody, (laughs) you know, some form or another, depending on what life stage you're in. What I learned and what's definitely true about this group is there is heavy focus on the campus ministry, which I am learning is highly diagnostic and specific of high control cult groups. It's the perfect demographic to recruit. You know, there are specifics about it. We're young, right? We're adults. We can make our own choices. So we don't need our parents' permission anymore. So when we start to face that backlash from family, we can say, no, thank you. But then at the same time, we're still not used to doing things on our own without getting permission from people. We're used to being under authority. So we are more easily moldable by this high control group. A lot of people in colleges are looking for something to change the world, to change their life. We're very idealistic. And so they come across very charismatic. God needs you. You're going to change the world. You're special. And it's kind of that place you're in already. And so, so many people, especially those recruited in the campus ministry, have a very similar cookie cutter story, you know, some vulnerability, the love bombing, the acceptance, and that slowly moves into giving over all of your autonomy. That's the thing I think a lot of people don't understand about Scientology and cults and coercive groups is that there has to be something good in it for people to join, right? If you walked into a church and they said from the offset, hey, we're going to ruin your life and (laughs) put you into financial ruin, obviously no one's going to join. So they're very smart and intelligent in the way that they do what they do. And even if you're critically minded, they are still able to get in there and get you. And that's the thing a lot of people don't realize. People think, oh, you must have been so stupid to join a cult even when you knew all of these manipulative stories and bad press and all of this. Well, no, honestly, they have an answer to everything. They manipulate people just in their existence. And when you think about that's how they operate, of course, they're going to be able to manipulate even the most critical minded person. You learn to judge and you learn to fear. You don't learn to to really stand on your own two feet. You don't learn to have your own autonomy. You don't learn self-confidence. Your confidence actually comes from how well you can judge others. 
and the pride and arrogance that does give you. You're not told that's the byproduct, but that is what's happening. You are so easily able to just like see someone and judge everything about them. It's literally judge the book by its cover and then condemn them to hell for it. Absolutely. It is like a hierarchy. Yeah. Like you see somebody and you judge them so that you can place yourself above them and move closer to the top of the pyramid, the ladder, wherever you're going. Yeah. And condemn those who are lesser than you to being below you, beneath you. They're garbage. They're trash. They're sinners. They're going to burn in hell anyway. Why do I care? I can't save them. Tried. Couldn't do it. Going to worry about myself now. Yeah. haven't done the work and I, I have reached other levels of my spirituality that they can't even come up to my level at this point. Start at the basic seminar, boo. <laughs> you know, when you think of purity culture, what is purity culture? Purity culture essentially says, listen, women, like we said before, your husbands, your boyfriends, they are these oversexed, uncontrollable sexual beasts, and you'd better make sure to control them. And the subtext of that says they're the ones who have sexual desire. And you as a woman, you know, sure, give them whatever they want, whenever they want it. But your sexual arousal, satisfaction, enjoyment really doesn't matter here yeah. because it's all about him. And it's like, wait a minute, where did that come from? It's not biblical, you know, because again, in here, it's like you get this woman in a culture that, mind you, was quite patriarchal. Here, the woman speaks up and says, essentially, she's pursuing, she's sexually pursuing her husband. And she's desiring and wanting sexual enjoyment with her husband. It's like, well, that's countercultural both then and today, right? Like, where did that come from? And so it's like this, you know, here's this book essentially that gives us permission and encouragement to really, you know, for both men and women, but, you know, maybe the in this context to be heard for the woman that says, go enjoy sexual pleasure pursue it. It's something that you were created and designed for. So, you know, it's quite remarkable that way. And then, of course, there was the the purity pledge. It wasn't as, as big a thing at church, but the private Christian school girls did their purity pledge. And so then it kind of seeped into the youth group. And then it became a thing within our youth group. And we didn't all have purity rings, but we all we all had this like almost unspoken spoken purity pledge like we are going to save ourselves and we aren't going to do this stuff and i mean this entire thing is rooted in supremacy in being better than everyone else i'm saving myself because i'm more important than you and god loves me more and this is how it works like it's just it's all about being better than everyone else yes oh <laughs> yes there was this show, I can't remember what it was called, maybe Saving Myself for Marriage, one of those like TLC Duggar family shows. And it was this, I didn't watch it, but I saw like the talk soup recap the next day kind of thing, you know? And it was this couple who was getting married and they were having their very first kiss. And it was the most awkward, cringy, mm. like they were like licking each other's tongues like, mwah, mwah, mwah. and I'm just like, this is why you don't save your first kiss for when all of your friends are watching. Like, this is why. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen uh, someone put together, I think it was on TikTok, a combination of all of the Duggar's first kisses because oh they God. all saved them. And so they just put them right back to them. Oh, my God. It's, and as, it's just as someone who 
now saw that, it's like, I feel like it gets so much pressure out of the way. And it's not even that big of a deal. Like, in the scheme of purity, in the scheme of sexuality, a kiss is so, so low on the totem pole. <laughs> like, I don't. I was, it was funny, but I also made me kind of, you know, reevaluate, like, wow, I thought that. I thought I wanted that for so long. Right. You look back and you go, that's what I was, what? <laughs> okay. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. Cut to when I got to high school, my big engagement with it, as I always tell people, was my little three amigos of high school was kind of odd because there was atheist agnostic me, a liberal Presbyterian, and a conservative Southern Baptist. Oh, wow. And that was the group of guys I hung out with. And between those two... An atheist, a Southern Baptist, yeah, we and a were Presbyterian walk into a youth group. Yeah, walk into a lock-in. <laughs> because ironically, they both did a lot of church activities, and I, did, I was the, you know, I didn't have anything to do. I didn't go anywhere. They would be like, hey, I, I remember very distinctly, I was used to pad lock-in numbers a lot of times. Like, my friends would call me and be like, hey, dude, they wanted to do this lock-in for the younger kids, and they're saying, like, nobody showed up. Are you doing anything tonight? Can you come over and hang out? we got Guitar Hero and pizza. And I'm like, you had me at Guitar Hero and pizza. Like, I'm like, cool. And lock-ins are great when you're 17, because nobody can keep you in that building. I have car keys. I don't know what you're well, This is before, you know, social Those... media, so you're bored. <laughs> you're a lock-in ringer. Like, come Hank James is going to be there. Yeah, I was. I would stack the numbers. And I was a high schooler <laughs> with a big beard. And, I, you know, I'd come in and the kids thought I was cool. You had a big beard in high We'd, school? We, you know, played through the fire and the flames on medium and impress them and leave. I'm really glad that you're a good person because <laughs> it really it just shows, like, they were going to have just a random guy spend the night with these kids. A random guy with a full beard. Well, they knew me. I did their talent shows. I played their video games. I did their stuff. This came in when I was young. <laughs> I have had facial hair relatively young. But so just Me too. Well, what was it like, you know, you go into this and then what was it? How did you feel when you were done recording after you had gotten everything out on camera and told your story? What did that feel like? It was very emotionally draining. I a little shell shocked because this isn't stuff that I talk about on a daily basis. Some, you know, some of this stuff I haven't talked about in years, but having laid bare my life <laughs> and experiences, I was hopeful that they would be able to use it some way to further help the people. cause. Yeah, yeah. Help. To I keep saying this needs to be drug into the light because it will die in the light. And if anything I said can help that process, then it's worth it. And that's why I emailed them initially. It's why we agreed to go and talk. And it's I think for both of us it's been the driving force through this whole thing. We weren't so like pompous when he wrote that email that that they would need us but we just wanted to extend this like hand of saying listen if this helps you further this yeah. dragging it into the light please utilize yep. this story and so it's very humbling and and just I was so proud of him and knowing this man what I've stood beside him and the path that we've walked down and seeing it come to this like full circle moments where we have been homeless, we have been penniless, we have been jobless, we have lost everything. And to be sitting there, him having reached a point of being able to work through and see the trauma and understand the impact that it had on his life, like proud isn't a strong enough word. It just, I would love to go back to eight years ago, Floyd, or 10 years ago, Floyd, and go, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> but all of this right now is going to be for a purpose. And just hang in there. 
it's just one of those things where it was like, I, I'm my dad. I haven't talked to him in a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call. And I call and she's like, your dad's dead. No, Bob's dead. It wasn't your dad. It was Bob's dead. I didn't know how. And I was just floored and she hung up and I immediately called my mom and I was crying and I'm like, you know, they just told me that he's dead. And, you know, and she's like, well, he wasn't really in your life. Remember he chose Scientology over you. And I'm like, that's not what he did. It's not what he did. You know, he just wasn't the dad that everybody wanted him to be. He was the best version of that he could be knowing he was in a cult. So you just call up one day and you're like, I want to just say hi to my dad. Just, hey, dad. And they're like, Bob's dead. Like, no explanation. Just Bob's dead. Click. No explanation. No nothing. It was just Bob's dead. And then hung up the phone. Now, my mom used to tell me. And I've now found out that this is a hunk of bullshit. My mom used to tell me that there are graves at Gold Base. Like maybe he's buried under a tree at Gold. I had this impression that he was buried out there. Yeah. So there's a big, huge plot twist here with your story. Is that in 2004, when you called the office and asked to speak to your father and they hung up on you and told you that he had passed away without any details, you went 19 years? 19 years believing he was dead. My dad's alive. Just kidding on the dead thing. Whole 19 years. I grieved him. 19 years believing he was dead. And then I grieved him my own way. And by grieving him my own way, I kept his pictures. I still have quite a few pictures of him and I. I look at him occasionally. You know, I still have a couple of his letters because he's my dad. Yeah. And then I get the phone call saying, oh, you know, you're going to pay his freeloader debt and find out, oh, by the way, he's alive. On to frauds and scams. Now, I know you guys know about my obsession with Billy McFarland and Firefest, and I was so excited that we got to talk to Gina this year and add a little bit more context to the story that maybe we didn't know about that wasn't shown in the documentaries. But we also talked about another kind of scam, and that's labor exploitation and labor trafficking. So enjoy some of my favorite moments from your favorite fraud and scam episodes. We heard Gina's story on the last episode about what actually went down there and what was actually happening from someone who was on the ground. And it was a Lord of the Flies level shit show. It was a uh, tropical storm. So it was like hurricaning out and in the morning and we get there and everything is just destroyed. It wasn't even finished to begin with. It was never set up. It might've been set up like maybe a day or two before we got there, like maybe. And it was just the tents that were set up. We can't even set up the concierge stuff until we have the tents set up. So our team of concierge guest experience actually had to help the local workers get the beds dry. Like there's like some people like holding like a fan and like trying to dry <laughs> in like a hundred degree heat really humid and like the heat some people had to go back to the cruise ship because it was so hot and like they were gonna get heat stroke i, I mean it's, it's just a tragedy and i'm just like i'm literally watching like the world burn down you know the images where you see the luggage and it's pitch black there's no lights so these people are running around and there's no bathrooms because they locked all the porter potties there was no food no nothing and barely any water and like it, they were like guarding that that water too it was embarrassing beyond dangerous. 
some of the locals can't, I'm not kidding. It was like torches. I mean, because it was so dark out. Torches and like basically pitchforks. And they're trying to find the people responsible. And we're trying to explain to them like, hey, we got screwed over too. Like Gina said, the night before the event, there was a huge storm and what little they had put together and gotten done was essentially ruined. As planes began to land that AM, there was nothing else they could do. And to be honest, I don't even know what they could have done at that point, aside from canceling it entirely. So the festival is a flop. The bands pull out. It's a free for all for accommodations and food, which were paltry cheese sandwiches and guarded bottled water. People are setting fires, assaulting concert goers, and just being generally gross. Only one band played fire. It was a local band who kept the scared concert goers company throughout the night. And it's at this point in the story where the police come looking for Billy when he escapes via the private plane and is caught a few days later and charged with fraud. My God, I'm sitting over here with like my mouth, just like my jaws on the floor. You're what, 18 years old? You Especially just, 18, like two months up, into being 18. <laughs> two months into being 18 years old, you uprooted your entire life in secret mm-hmm. and moved how many states away? At least four. <laughs> I can't picture the United States in my mind right now. But yeah, just, you know, going south four states or so. <laughs> and then but your yeah. brain catfished you and you're like, you're the guy from the concert? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. <clears throat> yeah. And then comes the fun part where I learned that there's not just one other person. There's five other guys, the manager, and then one other girl. So I'm I'm under the impression that he's traveling with some guy named Chris. It's the only person he references. But we go, I get in his Jeep, which is just a piece of junk. We never had nice cars. They were always bought at auctions, very cheap, no radio for a reason, which I can get to later. But yeah, it got in this weird Jeep sounding Jeep and awkward drive to the motel where I meet five other also very like strange, just flat, extremely tired looking men. The manager who I didn't know who Kingpin was at the time, but people have said looks like the Spider-Man comic version of Kingpin. There's one other girl. So I'm surrounded by all these dudes. And then there's one other girl and she just looks like I remember her with just like the baggiest, most tired looking face. And yeah, I'm like, okay. Well, there's other people here. <laughs> okay, so you, what are you feeling in this moment when you see all these other people? Again, I'm just sick to my stomach, very tired. I maybe slept like an hour or two of that 24-hour ride. And it's about 9.30 when I got to Lubbock, but about 10.30 that I got to the motel. But yeah, I'm just like, oh, like, and uh, no disrespect to these people now, because I do talk to some of them still, and they're great people now that I actually know who they are. They just look so sketchy, super tired. There's one guy who had like almost no teeth. One guy who is, I think he has 28, had been on the road for quite a few years, but just like, he looked like he was 40, but he was 28. Just very disheveled looking people. And I barely got to talk to them. It was very quick that Jimmy started going into all these words, terms, phrases, rules of the crew, sales techniques. I had no idea what they meant because I still at that point didn't know I was selling magazines door to door. Like this was, I'm selling coupons, like still thinking about that. But yeah, it's like 10, 30, 11 at night. And he's just drilling my head with all this information that I don't know why I need to know it, need to know it, like have it memorized by the next day or two. And then by like, it's probably midnight, one o'clock or so, then it's time to go to bed. Jimmy says, well, you can sleep in my bed in the other room with the other guys. Um, or you can sleep in your own bed in this room with Chris and the other girl who always slept together. And I've talked to her since and 
her side of that story is just nuts. And I ended up choosing my own bed. Maybe had I been more impressed by Jimmy, I would have said, okay, I'll sleep in your bed. We're soulmates. Um, but no, I slept in my own bed, but it was miserable. The room was freezing. The hotel smelled very weird. And I just, I could not sleep because I was so anxious and just, again, wanted to go home. Pretty early on, my boss did say to me, there may be times when I might ask you to do something that doesn't have to do with cooking. And I hope that you can understand that we might sometimes need that. Now, the first thing they ever asked me to do was to find them a new couch. (laughs) (laughs) And they had these very specific requirements about this couch, about the dimensions and the shape and the color. And it took me so long to find this dang couch. And I remember in my head thinking like, this is, such a ridiculous request, but also thinking I'm getting paid $20 an hour to scroll on the internet and try to find this dang couch. Like this is so easy. The second thing they asked me to do was to find them a dog. And I spent multiple days scrolling the internet for uh, different shelters because of course the dog had very, very specific requirements as well. Now, when they got the dog, then sometimes, hey, can you walk the dog? Over time, it just built and built and built. Returning things to stores. Then it started to become managing schedule, making appointments for them. It literally becoming like a personal assistant in addition to being a private chef. I remember there was a time when I did really try to start putting boundaries in place because it started getting very out of hand. And my boss would say to me, I always figure I can always ask you and you can always say no. And this is such a manipulative tactic because, again, our our pay was very much determined by the work that we did for them. They would hold bonuses over our heads. They would hold raises over our heads. This was totally a way to just get us to do whatever they wanted us to do. And also, if you're a people pleaser like me, and my boss knew I was a people pleaser, that I would never say no. As much as I would try to sometimes, it's just... When you're in this position where there's somebody like holding this thing over your head. And also I, I believed that this was my dream job. Like the actual core part of the job that I was hired to do was something I was very passionate about doing. And I didn't want to lose that part. It got harder and harder and harder to say no. And things just became, it just kept escalating over time. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. 
I got my report and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet, and they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the flow knit high rise boyfriend jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claims standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a Cotton Modal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect, effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. What episode of Life After MLM would be complete without some MLM? This year, we dove into some MLMs we hadn't talked about before in countries outside of the United States. I know most of my listeners are in the US, but according to Spotify, we've got tons of listeners all over the world, including Canada, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. And so I wanted to make sure that those listeners and their stories were also represented. So please enjoy these moments from some of the MLM episodes that I thought were too good to miss. There's just an endless stream of things in the world that make you go, wow, that's so fucked up. Yeah. And anything that makes you say that, I'm like, tell me more. So speaking of tell me more, I am reading this book, Help at Any Cost, and it's about the TTI, Troubled Teen Industry. And then they're talking about these leadership kind of programs that get real Uh culty, you know, that they they send their corporate retreats and stuff. They do like trauma bonding Mm -hmm. circles and all kinds of weird shit. Yeah. Large large group awareness training, something like that. I don't know. LGATS. Something. something. LGATS, LATS, something like that. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. We love an acronym up in here. Right. I covered one of them last year. During the same time, like scams and everything, uh-huh. PSI, 
Oh. There was a weird story that I covered last year that ended in like a plane crash that might have been linked to the CIA. It was very interesting. But yes, PSI was like a, a large group awareness training that came out of Landmark. And you know where Landmark came from? Do you know who started that shit? Scientology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all, you guys. It's all connected. It's all culty. So anyways, I'm reading this book about the troubled teen industry, and they said that, and I know that you have a special vested interest in this company, that they sent people who signed up to be retailers or fucking whatever for holiday magic. <gasps> they sent them to one of these large group trainings. Do you know about yes. this? Do you know about this? Yes, this links all like to PSI. And they made them fillet dildos. Right? No, I didn't know about that. Bitch, let me get my book. I made a note. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. What? That's so fucked up. I swear there are just some things that you only read about in books. Okay, you guys, this is from Help at Any Cost by Maya Salovitz. As early as the 1950s, however, there were tales from business people of sensitivity training or tea groups that didn't improve team relationships but ended them. A 1972 expose of the Leadership Dynamics Institute called The Pit, a group encounter to find, told of brutal beatings during its four-day seminars, which is in quotes. It recounted the story of a man who was forced to fillet a dildo in front of a group and others who were made to lie in sealed coffins, hung from crosses by ropes, or locked in cages for hours, even days, without opportunity to eat, sleep, or use a bathroom. The Holiday Magic Cosmetics Company, later exposed as a pyramid scheme, had required its employees to complete the non-refundable $1,000 course as well as a training seminar called Mind Dynamics. Both Werner Erhard, the founder of EST, and John Hanley, who started the similar group Lifespring, began as instructors in this organization. Dang. Yeah, I knew about some of that. I didn't know about the filleting of the dildos. But I knew about the coffins and I knew about all this. Why? How does this help you be a better cosmetic saleswoman or men? It doesn't. It just knocks you down a peg. That's all. I don't know if any of that stuff was ever supposed to get out. I think they thought maybe that they kept everybody scared enough that nobody would say, this is what happened to me. Oh, no, they didn't think that would be public. <laughs> I mean, it's like like the Scientology hole. It's like the same kind of thing. You're a bad person and you go to these places and they like abuse you, but it's like for your own good. Right. Like we're going to beat you up and we're going to make you feel horrible and do horrible, traumatic, disgusting things to you. But don't worry. It's going to make you a better person. Like it builds character. It's friendly. Okay. So, so you're going to these MLM parties and they're playing Loteria and you're like winning MLM prizes. Yep. The very first one I remember was Tupperware, and I thought it was the coolest thing. I don't know why Tupperware would be cool, but even to this day, I find, like, the Rubbermaid, all that stuff kind of neat, and I like to look at it. Um, I'm a huge fan of Pyrex. <laughs> I remember going, and it was always at an aunt's house, a cousin's house, or an aunt's sister-in-law's cousin. You know, it was somehow my mom got invited, and we went. You know, because Loteria, you play per game, and you win the pot. But when it's Tupperware and home interior, you pay like an entry fee. Let's say it's like $50. And so if you have 20 women, that Tupperware consultant is getting $20 per person. 
then you got to pay per card and every game, instead of winning money, you win prize one, go to the table and pick the one that says number one. And it could be like the stackable glasses with the little lid, the plastic. (laughs) And then at the very end, you would win like a grand prize. And I don't even know how much it was worth that. I, I don't remember at all. And it was just those two parties, Tabor and Home Interior. And that was just my entire life going to these parties. Then it trickled into Avon and Mary Kay having to go to those parties. And it was just sitting there listening to these women talk about makeup and then putting makeup on each other or trying different things out. So you told me about a convention that you went to in Los Angeles for ACN. Let's talk about that and sort of the the horror show that it was for you. Uh, I went to one in North Carolina. I also went to one in LA. LA was the shit show though. Literally, <laughs> you'll know why I'm saying that in a minute. <laughs> Content warning. Content. Don't eat anything. Stop. Eat. If you're eating, stop. That's all. We're just going to say stop. Thank you. Exactly. So this is the big one, right? Like this is where, was this the one that Donald Trump was at? I don't even fucking remember now. I went to so many of them. This was like a huge conference, right? The LA, everyone has to go to this. If you want to succeed in your business, you have to go to this massive, massive conference. You are doing yourself a disservice if you don't go to this convention, right? So I get food poisoning two days before I'm supposed to be on a plane. I'm sick, like sick. And I say to my friend, like, I don't think I can go. Like, I really want to go. I don't know if I can go. And um, and here we are talking really quick. This is not like a little two hour flight. Like you're flying from Ontario, Canada, yeah, which is above good- Michigan for anybody who doesn't know where Canada is specifically Ontario above Michigan area to mm. Los Angeles, mm. which is on the West coast, a couple hours from the border of Mexico. That's a big flight. That's a long international flight. This is not a quick flight. You were in the air for many, many hours consistently. Anyway, yes. continue. With a bum tongue. <laughs> oh my God, it's just the horror <laughs> I'm feeling. Like my horror. stomach hurts already. Can please, yeah, please it continue. It was the worst case of food poisoning I have ever had in my life or since. Mm-hmm. It was from a contaminated chicken that Is I it had. From your Norwex demonstration. No, I knew you were going to ask me that. I knew it. I knew what it. What kind of MLM <laughs> podcast would it be if I didn't <laughs> bring it full circle? <laughs> full circle back to the Norwex chicken. No, it was a chicken Caesar salad I had at a, I had at a mall food court. Obviously, I have to go. Cindy, you can't not go. I'm like, okay, I'll take the meds. I'll see. Literally one of my worst nightmares is going to the bathroom on a plane. Now, I did talk to my body and I was like, listen, man, get your shit together for five hours. <laughs> I can't breathe over here. And I, you guys can't see me. It's literally, it's ridiculous. I get on the plane and luckily, luckily I did. If you can believe this, I did not have to use the bathroom once. Now, was I comfortable? Yes. Was I hurting? Yes. 
I got off the plane. I was okay for a little bit, but you know, sometimes when you're not feeling well, like especially with that kind of illness, it comes in waves. I don't even know if we went to the hotel before we went to like the, you know, like there's the convention before the convention. There's the classes before the big show, right? So we went and and I was constantly going from arena to bathroom, arena to bathroom, arena to bathroom. And I remember, you know, my upline saying like, you're missing a lot, Cindy. I'm like, I can't help it. Like I have diarrhea. <laughs> I can't sit here. I, I what have did she to want you to do bring a bucket. Like, what did she want you to do? I don't know. Did she think I was making it up and I was going to the bathroom more than I needed to? Like, trust me. No. Between food poisoning and listening to whoever speak on the stage, it's going to be listening to a speaker on the stage every time, even if it's for an MLM cult. I'd rather not have food poisoning. Thanks. And so that was a rough, rough weekend. You know, there were shenanigans at night and I missed out on that because I was so sick. I sat in a bathtub for a lot of the time. It was awful, awful. And then we, <laughs> awful. It's just, I hate to laugh, but it's, it's really funny. <laughs> no, don't hate to laugh. It's hilarious. And I laugh at it all the time. It's silly. 45 year old Cindy would say if you told me Cindy you have to go to this convention I'd be like I have fucking food poisoning go fuck yourself there's no way I'm getting on a plane no but the the motivation of like I'm doing this business I got to get on that plane you can't be successful in your ACN business if you miss this Donald Trump is going to be there 100% so uh walk us down being fair gamed by paparazzi and the Huns. You have emails calling him a drunk bitch and making fun of me for with your stupid white shorts or what? What did they say? Like they white had shorts white shorts wearing bitch because I like to wear these. I have some like white shorts. I have several pairs of, and I would wear them a lot of times on live with a button up because I could put any kind of top on to demonstrate the ladies how they look on in person. And I always am telling them, keep in mind I'm six foot five and a man. It's gonna hang longer on you than me. Yada yada. They'd be calling us cross-dressers, making fun of, acting like I only have one pair of shorts, like trying to say I was poor or something, I guess, because I always had those white shorts on, white shorts wearing bitch, and made fun of me for wearing denim and denim shorts and all this kind of stuff, and calling him a drunk bitch. They would be these emails, and they would come from weird names, like it's clearly like a troll email but they would be saying things that were like, are they like, have they hacked our IP address? It's, and they're like listening in on us or something? Like, how are they getting some of these details unless they're somebody specific that knows us really well? Because it was just really, really creepy. And they'd be coming on our live shows, making nasty comments. And it was just really bad. Like, well, it came to a head when we were on our live one night doing a show and this would have been in like January of 2022. And I see a comment pop up and it's a link. And I'm like, what is this? And it's, I thought it was just spam. yeah, recall how you recall it happening. Um, I just remember seeing the link and my face was kind of like, what the hell? Because it was a weird comment and a link. And I didn't, you know, we've had trolls come on before in the past and, you know. But they're usually like, where's your couch? Is it still for sale? Like, you know, the couch trolls. You know, so I didn't think much of it. And in the past, we had had somebody post a link that was a Google image, and it was just a customer that she was posting her shirt, like, of her in a picture. And for some reason, it looked weird when she sent the link. So it was just, you know, it was just like, wow, that's weird. Well, then they posted again about a spicy video, and then they share a link. 
And the link is a video of us intimately. They posted this on our live, which was extremely concerning because we have families that watch our live, kids that watch our live with their family members. So it's like, what the fuck? Like it, it crossed, like outside of them just trying to bully and harass us, it crossed many lines because it was like, like you're oh just God. the bottom of the fucking barrel to do that in front of people who are on here shopping that are family you know, friends and all that. It's like you went to the lowest point that you could go. Like, you must be real fucking miserable. And we're like, also, like, when he clicked it and and it pulled up and I realized what it was, I've, like, panicked and I, like, blocked that profile, you know, and and made it go away. Because I'm going, how did they get this? How did they get, like, where did this, how did they get this? Like, I know who this is. This is one of these paparazzi huns that are pissed off that we're speaking out about this. And I'm like, how did they get this? Like, On this- what planet is that what you, like, when you're speaking out about someone you cared about that died and wanting to hold a company accountable? In what multiverse is this okay that your response is to possibly hack somebody's private videos and photos and then share them publicly on their shopping in their business like what in their business yeah and let this be clear too i'm not accusing paparazzi corporate of this i don't think they have the time of day or even care i think because i was a part of that whole and it's a it's a cult it's a commercial cult I know I knew immediately it's one of because them those consultants when they're wrapped up in it they will defend paparazzi with their last breath and their last effort and there are some that are just really unhinged because think about it who's going for an MLM besides stay-at-home moms and and people like that that have no other choice because they're you know for whatever reason who couldn't keep a job anywhere else and that does happen very often it's not only just innocent people trying to make money. There are good and bad in everything in the world. And there are some bad apples that go into that for all the wrong reasons and that are unhinged as hell. Back in April on the 30th, Jay texts me on the, excuse me, she texts me on the 28th and says, hey, just checking in. How are you and Andrew doing? Any fun house projects? I hope you've recovered from all the crazy family stuff of a few months ago and that you've had some reprieve with it. And then she sends me a 53-second voice message, the summary of which was, hey, I'm plugging into month holes, and do you mind if I place an order on an account or two? There's just one or two things, and da-da-da-da-da. And so I listened to it, and I got upset, and so I left it for a day, and then I was like, I need to respond. So I responded on April 29th and said, hey, thanks for reaching out. Not proud of it, but that was about all I could muster in the moment. So then she responds and says, hey, are you okay if I place an order on jay's account jay was one of my front lines to finish it out did my voice text come through above so she's asking for permission to place an order on this specific person's account and i was like go for it and then i get a text from that person from the wife and she's like hey just want to check in i got a call from t asking me to place an order and said that it needs to be at least 100 to 150 pv which is like 175 to 200 dollars by the time you do tax and everything and that if i don't place this order danielle you won't get your bonus and like i wanted to check with you because when i talked to you you said not to wear so i called her i was like under no circumstances would i even ask this of you i'm so sorry you had to have this phone call what can i do to help t was not supposed to reach out to you right we've I've already gone above T to J and said, please keep her out of my communications, right? J asked permission to reach out, but then she let T do it. So that really obviously upset me. So this couple ended up ordering $200 a product 
on the 30th day of the month, mind you, if they'd waited till the first, they would have had all the new month reward. Like if you're going to place a big order in MLM or in doTERRA, the promos and freebies were always like the first to the 14th or something, 15th, first half of the month. It makes no sense to order on the last day of the month unless it personally helps you hit a bonus. It was going to help them hit a $50 bonus, but they're spending $200. That's not good math. It was no. going to help me hit a $250 bonus, but I was already reevaluating the business. I had not planned for it. I had not budgeted for it. Therefore, I didn't need it. And I certainly wouldn't have asked them to spend $200 for me to make $250, but it was going to help T hit a $1,500 bonus. So she go help. She go ask them. I have this conversation with my front lines and I'm angry. And so then I text Jay and say, hey, Jay, I did listen to your voicemail yesterday. Between the text you sent and the voice message, I have some genuine questions for you. Please know that I take this very seriously. One, would you truly like to know whether I've recovered from, quote, all of the crazy family stuff? Do you even remember what that entailed for me? Or was that text just a precursor to your end of month hole plugging voice message? Two, how many people did you send that exact or moderately tweaked voice message to? Three, if you only care about helping me fill a 7.5 PV hole, why do you need to reach out to my front lines when there were already four other qualifying orders? Couldn't you just place that somewhere else and not bug them? Four, why did T call my front lines instead of you? And why did she tell them they need to order an additional 100 to 150 PV today? And which of you, J or T, is going to Venmo them to reimburse them for every penny they were just bullied in spending. Oh and then five, God. is this what people pay you for in your quote, whatever it takes coaching? Because obviously she has launched her own coaching business called the Wit Collective, whatever it takes. So I said, frankly, wow. I'm disgusted. As you're very well aware, your end of month outreach has caused quote, resentment and frustration, which is something she said in her voice message. She's like, I hope this doesn't cause resentment and frustration. Like, you know, it does. We've had this conversation. I said, you were personally responsible for thoughtfully and intentionally backing me and other women on your team into a corner and triggering us. You called it a pain point, sore spot, and a source of tension, and yet you still did it. In all sincerity, I'd like to know, what is my friendship and emotional health worth to you, or is it even worth anything at all? I do have some funny questions from Dave, though, because Dave is really funny. Okay, let's go, Dave. Come on. We should call Dave while we do this. He wants to know if Michelle Obama has listened to the dream, given that you've worked with her. I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm too shy. Well, I'm not shy, but I'm too professional <laughs> to ask someone like that if they've heard the show. I definitely, when I was hanging around and working with Megan and Harry, I dropped the name all, a few times. Like, oh, you might want to listen to it. And so I'm guessing maybe Harry and Megan have heard it. But Michelle, I was on book tour with her. And like when Oprah's there, in the same room you're just like what am i gonna say to either of these people like <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> who am i to think that there's room for me to talk about my stupid little podcast <laughs> well you do have a book coming out too i do yeah yeah in march okay selling the dream it's more about the characters in season one and a lot of characters we haven't dug too far into but it's really about all the people that like created this business model. It's a historical review sort of, but it's funny and fun. It's a romp until it's not. That's what my book publisher says. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a more zhuzhed up Ponzi-nomics. Kind of. Yeah. Ponzi-nomics with the jokes. <laughs> I love Robert. Poor Robert. We love you. <laughs> He's a curmudgeonly old man and I think he likes that. 
Oh, yes. Like, it wouldn't be a problem for him to hear me say that. Like, he knows. No, he knows. Yeah. I remember when I first met him, he had me call him just to make sure that I knew about MLMs before he was willing to put a lot of effort into it, right? Me too. <laughs> just have a little phone call with you. How long was your first phone call with Robert Fitzpatrick? Oh, well, Dan did it, thank God. But he was very much like, why are you trying to talk about this? What's your intention? I think he thought that we were like, pro MLM or I don't know what he thought but he really vetted us and we were just like listen dude this <laughs> I know this is the center of your universe <laughs> right and it's not for me yet so I need to talk to you you got to get me there right bring me in bring me into the center tell me why I need to be here besides the cookies yeah <laughs> exactly please yeah I think he was like I had messaged him because I was helping another friend with a different anti-MLM podcast I was like hot off your podcast and I was like Robert Fitzpatrick would be a great guest and they're like if you think you could get him yeah and I was like I'll just email him so I emailed him and I was like what's he gonna say no and what he said was well I'd be willing to consider it if he would be willing to hop on a chat with me and talk with me about what you know about this subject first I was like, yeah, totally. And I think it took maybe 20 minutes. And he was like, okay, you know what you're talking about. And then we talked for like two hours. Oh, God, that guy can talk. <laughs> he was writing Ponzinomics at the time. And he was up in his like cabin on the East Coast. And he was like, oh, I have the time to chat. I was like, okay. <laughs> he gets so fired up. No shade to Robert Fitzpatrick. We all love him. We do. But like, what if I said no to Joe Mariano? <sighs> And I grew. Um, within a month, I had five people on my team. Um, I was but who was your fifth person? On your right. Team? Yes. So, of course, you want to recruit. They want you to recruit and build the ladder. And I needed a fifth person. And I was like, I have to. I have to make it this deadline so I get all this extra money, all this extra product. Marissa, I need you to join Pamper Check. So, she was like, what? I was like, come on. Just put the money up. Let's go. Let's get in. Join Pamper Check. So she did it and I made my deadline. I promoted to director in time to get all this extra money. And she was in labor joining Pampered Chef. She had to have her onboarding in the recovery room so that she can actually start because I, I was on this time crunch. So she had to start while she was in labor. And the next day she had her baby, babies in NICU. And instead of worrying about that, I'm making her worry about Pampered Chef. Like, how awful is that? I have tears coming down my right now. I am laughing and <laughs> laughing with, not at, but it's just like, it's like if MLM was a movie, like that, that's the hallmark exactly. MLM movie right there. Yeah. Yes. Because I had to have, apparently I had to have my first party or launch party by a certain date. Because I had to get the $150 to really be a consultant for her to have her five for me to actually promote. So she's talking to me about it, like in the hospital room. I was like, you know, all my information, just do what you have to do. <laughs> like, where's your card? Let's go. Let's get this bot. Let's get you onboarded so you can start your first party. I mean, yeah, that it's, it's awful. <laughs> Looking back on it, it's awful. <laughs>
Don't be shocked that you didn't hear anything from Amway because we had such a good time diving into Amway this year that Amway got its own subsection within MLM. And even though the clip that we're going to hear first wasn't from this season, it was actually from last season, this episode, the Tools Cult Scam episode with Sean Munger, is one of the top episodes of the show of all time and actually was a catalyst for most of the Amway victims reaching out to me and wanting to tell their story. So I felt that we should include just a little bit of Sean's episode in this clip show as well, because it was his episode that actually helped encourage the Amway victims to come on this show and tell their stories too. Part of what drew me to this is I've always had an interest in a very deep interest in what I call organized deception. So that would be scams, cults, and conspiracy theories. And why do people believe them? And how do they get started? And how do they sustain themselves? And that sort of thing. So the basic story that uh, I'm going to tell today is about the foundation of what we could call the tools cult or the tools business, and specifically the kind of epic battle that occurred between the tools kingpins and the Amway Corporation. This is in the early 1980s. And this was a battle that the Amway Corporation ultimately lost with huge repercussions uh, that continue to the present day, that the tools business still exists. It's kind of morphed because technology is not what it the same that it was in the 60s and 70s when this was ramping up. It's good to have a conceptual understanding of what we're talking about. So tools means basically motivational tapes, seminars, rallies, and then the ancillary stuff like Ambox. This is actually separate from the Amway MLM business. The Amway Corporation sells soap, uh, food bars, Neutralite was their, you know, their first product, uh, energy drinks, which I'm told are terrible, <laughs> uh, you know, other incidental merchandise. Um, it's, it, as with all MLMs, the products really are not that important, but the Amway Corporation makes its money through the sale of these products. That's its income stream. So think about two pyramids. And they're not exactly one nested inside the other, but they have significant overlap. And one pyramid representing the Amway Corporation, the Amway MLM business, is much smaller than the other. So the second pyramid, which is much, much larger, is the tools business or the tools cult. I actually had a bigger business than a lot of people that I asked was asked to speak for, but their lifestyle was completely different. And, and I couldn't imagine, well, how can their lifestyle be different? I know I mentioned at some point that six months out of 12 was a qualification, but founders is 12 out of 12. My business was, was 12 out of 12. So I actually had bonuses coming in that they might not have had coming in because you did get qualification bonuses when you went 12 out of 12. You got founders bonuses. But when I would go in to speak for somebody at a, at a I want to use the word lower level, and I don't mean that as a descending way or, or as a right. derogatory statement, but their lifestyle was different. They were driving different cars. They were talking about retiring and quitting their jobs. And I couldn't imagine because my Amway income, I knew was higher than their Amway income. Right. So in my mind, I'm questioning a little bit of, well, how are they retiring and living these lifestyles, but I'm not. And then I thought, well, maybe they had more money saved up. Maybe they had, you know, maybe they had outside sources of income that I didn't have, whatever it was. And then a couple of things happened along the way. As we grew in the business, we started to be invited to other activities within our own upline. Now, when I say upline, I'm going above our upline diamond now. 
Okay. And I remember we went to a, a Friday night pizza and pie thing or whatever at their house. And it was an open house. So everybody that was at what they called the pearl or emerald level, sapphire, or emerald level, whatever it was, they were invited to this Friday night thing. And you could walk around the house and you could see, you know, they had this beautiful home with, a, you know, a gorgeous 10,000 square feet, you know, great lifestyle. They're a diamond. And I did see a receipt for tools. We were being charged $7 a tape or a, a, a CD. And I did see a receipt on their desk because it was an open house and hide it. They were paying $1.85 for those, those CDs. Oh, wow. So I realized that, hey, there's a lot. There, how is it getting up to $7 by the time it gets to me? And, it's, you know, you start to piece this stuff together. And I started to realize that, you know, that's why some of these guys really wanted to hit these levels because they would start to get in on some of this, this money. So, so that was in my mind. And then when, when my upline actually became a diamond, it was a real odd way of becoming a diamond. He actually was his own sixth leg in another country because of a, a way in the plan that you could you know, sponsor yourself internationally. And I know that for a fact that that was so he could get in on more of the, the tool money. So we finished that meeting and uh, Liz had talked to her dad about it. He's like, oh, it kind of sounds like Amway. So our, one of our questions to them was, is this Amway? And oh his wife sat up straight and turned over to him so stiff and rigid, like, oh boy, what do we say? They're like, oh no, we've been found out. <laughs> we've been caught. So he says, uh, well, cat's out of the bag. Yes, it's Amway. And we were just like, we don't know anything about Amway. Sure. Like, oh what's the next thing? And That's we... so funny because it's like, <laughs> your father-in-law was like, that sounds like Amway. Probably because he knows it's a scam. And you're like, we've never even heard about it. Let's ask. And they're like, oh God, they know it's a scam. And you're like... We've never heard. And they're like, yeah, yeah. He was really, oh my gosh. They were like relatively cool about it. Like she just didn't know what to say. Cause it was like a policy almost like they couldn't say not to say Amway, but it's just, that's not shared in the first two meetings of what is called the process. And the process is a series of meetings uh, that you go to, to go through everything. And once you go through the, I think it's seven step process. When you go through, yeah, it's <laughs> when you like go an through Amway funnel. Yes, yeah, <gasps> it's weeding out the chaff. It's getting rid of the the people who were the jokers and Kicking you know just not serious haters, about Not the yeah, losers. It's crazy. The losers for the losers, one hundred percent. We get through that, and they're like, okay, you know, the next thing is to go to this meeting. Uh, it's, it's called a regional. You're just going to come here. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's business. So, you know, want to, want to be dressed appropriately for that. And uh, there's gonna be somebody there that's going over the company, over the business model, over numbers, you know, they're just gonna go over everything. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That sounds great. Started at 7 PM, got together that night, ran out. And it's funny. Cause I remember putting on my business coat. My wife was like, uh, why don't you take that off? I don't want you to be overdressed. <laughs> so I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> So I, I don't even think in a tuxedo you could be overdressed in an Amway meeting. <laughs> no. I was in Amway. No. Um, <laughs> I was, and it was, it was so deceitful the way that we were brought in. That is a whole other story. But what I will say is that there was like, 
I was, my brain was going to explode during the time that it was overlapping because I was like, oh, yes. do I share the good news of Amway or do I share the good news of Jesus? If I don't share about Amway, I don't really want freedom in my life. And I don't really want other people to have freedom in their life. But is there any greater freedom than Jesus? Mm-hmm. And I have to go to church. But if I don't go to the Amway meetings, then I'm not serious about building my <laughs> own business. I was like, so we lived in a tiny little two-bedroom apartment and we wanted I wanted to host a big surprise party for my husband's 30th. And we were in a very large church. So we had a lot of we had a, a very large circle of church friends. And then we both worked at Ford Motor Company, but in different divisions. We had probably 50 to 75 people. So I asked my in-laws if we could use their house. My mother was like, sure. So I went and I set everything up. And that night we we did, we had about 75 people at the party. So I'm mingling and doing the usual, you know, social things. And I go into the kitchen to go get something out, something for the fridge. And Terry is in there with his mom. And he's like, mom, give me that paper right now. And he's got his voice raised. And I'm like, what's going on? And so she's got this paper and she's kind of putting it behind her back. And says, so what's going on? He, he looked at me, he said, she's getting the names and numbers of all of our friends. I said, oh. Why? And she goes, well, I wanted to write thank you notes to everybody. And he goes, mom, I know that's not what you want to do. You're going to call our friends to try and get them into Amway. And I looked at her and said, really? She goes, no, I want to write thank you notes. I said, well, no, first of all, that's not your job. That's my job, our job to thank our friends for coming, not yours. And so she's like, well, no, that's really what I want to do. And Terry said, you are not going to make us lose our friends you've you've already lost enough of yours but you're not going to force Amway down my friend's throats give me that paper right now and then so we actually went and apologized to those people that she had already talked to and we're like we are so sorry thankfully we didn't lose any of our friends over it but it really actually opened my eyes to just how deceptive this whole thing is also the audacity to gaslight you guys and like not only like just gaslight in the moment like she was prepared for that she's like yeah this is what i'm gonna say she had a secondary lie to cover up her real intentions i know and that really that really really got me very upset and i don't i don't actually very often get upset i don't raise my voice very often i'm i'm very outgoing but i'm very very calm and that really got to me. I, w- I, was, I was shocked more than anything, actually, because I had never seen this kind of behavior. So Amway, you can't have a physical like storefront, obviously, because you're a pyramid scheme. It's supposed to be direct. But there is like literally maybe two blocks from the main Amway entrance, a little, my mom like, used to like to call it her little speakeasy that was open like three or four days a month that is a little... It's like in the back alley, but it's like a storefront that is just filled wall to wall with Amway products. And you like go up to the desk and they're like, thanks for your credit card. And I have an extremely difficult time believing that nobody knows about that. When did you start seeing red flags that you couldn't bury and compartmentalize? I mean, I saw those red flags after my friend's funeral, of course, but the ones that I couldn't really bury, I think it was probably a couple years ago or so. There was like a diamond celebration. I'm sure you're familiar with that diamond pin. It's like, 
Like, oh, I am amazing, you know? Which, I mean, if it were an actual business, that'd be a great feat. I'm sure it's difficult. Like, I'm not going to undermine, you know, people's efforts. But at the same time, we had like a celebration in 2019 where a lot of people went diamond. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. And then obviously with 2020, things kind of stalled. But then the next year, there were like more and more. And it was always like there was more and more. But I knew that Larry and his leadership, they were growing tired of not having more diamonds. They even said that. And, you know, I, Larry was always so candid on stage. At least I thought so. There's a lot to find out that he was hiding. But they would talk about, like, it's time we have more diamonds. And, you know, they would make the call of we have to have 100,000 in 2024. And they're going to be at, I know, 100,000 people. <laughs> like, <laughs> not at the rate they're leaving. <laughs> I'm not going to rain on anyone's parade, but I, uh, uh, no, (laughs) but they want to have their diamond celebration, have a hundred diamonds on the team by 2024, which coincidentally is just one year from now that celebration is going to take place at the Dallas Cowboys stadium. And they're like, we're going to fill that stadium. I'm like, that's a big ass stadium. (laughs) Okay. But I started after all of these diamonds are kept being more and more, I was like, I don't feel the growth that they're talking about. They always like to say a rising tide raises all ships. It's like, I don't feel this growth. And it's not, I'm not the problem. I'm not the problem because I was consuming the audios. I was consuming the books. I could teach anybody anything out of any of the books. I was like, I'm not the problem. I think the problem is the icky things we have to do in order to make this work. This Swifty cannot deny that 2023 was the year of Taylor Swift, and she made a ton of appearances on the show, so many that I couldn't even find them when I was looking for them, but the ones I was able to find, I included here. And even though Taylor probably has no idea that I exist, unless perhaps she has seen Lula Rich, then maybe she does know. She was a huge part of my life this year, and interestingly enough, she came up on the show quite a bit. And so please enjoy some of my favorite Taylor Swift moments from this year on Life After MLM. And you can realize some things are not really cults, but they're a little culty. Yeah, and it's okay. You know, like being a Swifty is a little culty, but it's not a cult. I could leave at any time. I had the most incredible experience of my life last night. I was at the last show of the Eras Tour in Los Angeles. It was so amazing oh my god it just i i I can't i can't even like i can't even begin to explain how incredible that show was listen i love me some taylor you know like she's got some bops she does but i'm just not i'm not like freaking out over it you know give it time (laughs) we'll find you an era we'll find you an era that you connect with and then once you connect with an era it's all over okay (laughs) Because I like songs from different eras. Like, I like that one. Yeah. Our love is a slamming screen door. Bringing up your window. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's early, Taylor. Because your mama's not yeah. home. That's that's early. That's when she was still, like, mostly country. <laughs> yeah, I like a little bit of country. I woke up with a Taylor hangover, and I didn't even drink. It's kind of like, you know, that Taylor Swift song, I Forgot That You Existed. And I thought that it would kill me, but it didn't. I mean, I'm not a Swifty. I could change you. I could. 
I don't know. Um. (laughs) She says a line in that song is it isn't love. It isn't hate. It's just indifference. It's I'm, I'm truly indifferent. I I don't hate him and I damn sure don't love him. I just, I'm indifferent. I don't care. He's inconsequential to my life. And then, and then I like, yeah, I like, look what you made me do, Taylor. That's reputation. That's my favorite. But you know what? According to Paul and Morgan, you know, non-fundamentalist, according to them, influencers, Taylor Swift is in cahoots with witchery. Mm, yeah have you seen the rituals that she does on stage yes they're fantastic that makes me like her more i I will never never forget that i have seen some incredible shows and i'm telling you right now the taylor swift eras tour blew them all out of the water like not even not even close and lastly but certainly not least here are some of the bloopers that happened throughout the year that I thought were good enough to save for this exact moment. Quick content warning for pet owners. This does include dogs barking. But um, I want to make... This is me, Hot Mess Express. (laughs) Fully unedited. Hello. Uh, I want to thank you, Michelle. How's that for foresharding? (laughs) Foresharding. When is the first moment that you decide, shh, my dog loves to join in on conversations about Scientology. This is when MLM lobbyists depend, this is when MLM lobbyists depend, this is when MLM lobbyists, lobbyists, that's a hard word to say. This is when MLM, (laughs) I swear to God. This is when MLM lobbyists descend upon a cap. I had it that time too. Hold on. Placed in a darkened. <laughs> she had somewhere to be. Record. Right? I'm about to record, and the guy know. next door is like, "I think this is a fine time to see if my motorcycle still revs." <laughs> it does. Listen. <laughs> What is happening? Yep, they know. <laughs> they know. Time. All right. Okay, here we go for real. Stop it. Thank you so much. Stop it. Hey. No. Sit. Sit. I want to thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Please stop. Sit. I want to thank you so much. I want to thank you so I'm going to get you. I want to thank you so much for... Stop it, Jaja. See you on Wednesday for my Billy McFarlane next... Blah. Spanky. Enough. Enough. <laughs> He's a <at> Bieber. <laughs> it's like he loves Justin Bieber, I guess. <laughs> Spanky, come here, lay down, lay down. You are not the dog I would expect to be like that. It's usually Shasha that's ridiculous when I'm recording. Lay down, lay down. Okay, that's for the Patreon.
And at the end of these, we like to do a little rapid fire. So give me a word that encompasses how you feel about high demand control. Scared. Malignant. Blah. Is that a word? <laughs> You're the writer. <laughs> Yikes. They're evil. Criminal. Ugh. Gross. Just gross. Burn. Evil. Trash. Vomit. Offended. Trash heap. <laughs> Oppressive. Disgusted. I guess control. I got, uh, it's going to be five words. It's going to be five words. I can't. Extreme caution and extreme due diligence. Treachery came to mind first. Stingy. Disgusting. Transactional. Uh, manipulative. Irritated. Icky. Complicated. Frauds. Predatory. Sad. Poop. <laughs> I think manipulative. That's usually the first thing that comes to my mind is manipulative. Chaotic. Thank you so much for being a part of season three of Life After MLM. Like I said earlier, this show would be nothing without the listeners, and I appreciate you so much. I cannot wait for you to see what is in store for next year. If you love the show and if you want to support it, you can check out our Patreon. You can check out all of our bonus content on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. We're everywhere. We are expanding even bigger in 2024. I cannot wait for season four and for everything that we have planned and in store for you. I am already thinking about all the different themes and topics that we're going to dive deeper into this year, including Amway and including the history of multi-level marketing. So buckle up, get excited. Thank you for an unbelievable 2023, Huns. I'll see you next year. Yes. It's always like when I turn off the camera because you guys don't see. But literally, as soon as I stop record, I go, we did it! <laughs> like that. Like I go, yay! So, we did it! It was so good. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast or visit our website at lifeaftermlmpod.com. Life After MLM is produced by Roberta Blevins. Audio editing is done by the lovely Kayla Craven. Video editing by the indescribable RK Gold. And Michelle Carpenter is our triple emerald princess of robots. If you have a story about a cult, fraud, scam, or MLM and want to be on the show, please hit us up. We would love to help you tell your story and start your healing journey in Life After MLM. See you next time, Hans.